This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Hey, this morning we get to start uh, a brand new summer sermon series. If you look in the front of your worship guide, you'll see it there. It's entitled, Down But Not Out, The Art of the Comeback. I'll tell you what, I love comeback stories, don't you? And the Bible is full of stories of the lives of men and women uh, who were down but not out. And uh, if we look at their lives, uh, we're going to learn some wonderful principles about how uh, to make a spiritual comeback in life. And so I'm really excited. I'll tell you what. I, man, I, I'm just looking forward to these next several weeks uh, and to sharing with you uh, stories of uh, great comebacks in the Bible. But I want to begin this morning with Gideon. Now you might ask, well, why is Pastor Todd, of all the stories in the Bible, why is Pastor Todd beginning with the story of Gideon? Why would you select that story? There's plenty of great comebacks in the Bible. Why Gideon? Well, I alluded to it uh, during our announcement time this morning. Uh, The very first Bible story that I can ever remember hearing was in second grade. And it was the story of Gideon. And the way that came about was in my elementary school, one morning in class, um, I got called out of class. I truly hadn't anticipated it. I didn't know where I was going. I just got called out of class. And uh, I was walked over to a classroom. It was a, a, a classroom where um, students would go that had um, special needs of different kinds. And on this particular morning, as I walked into the door, uh, there were children seated, and I, I quickly noticed they all had something in common. Each of these children had hearing aids. Some had two. And what it was, was a speech class, a speech pathology class. And I remember sitting in the classroom and and looking around and seeing these kids with hearing aids. And I'd seen them around school some, and they were a little bit different. They they didn't mingle as much on the playground. and, and, And obviously there was some... Um, separation between them and and the larger group of students in the school just because of differences and not understanding. And and, and so I remember that. And I remember this thought as clearly as I'm sitting here with you today. I remember sitting there saying, well, I, I don't have a hearing aid. What am I doing here? Right? Um, I didn't identify 
because I felt different among people that were different. Make sense? Second grade, I can remember this so clearly. But what was to happen there was um, to change my life in, in so many ways. You see, I had a speech impediment. I didn't know it. Now, you don't know it, or maybe sometimes you do. I still work through it today. There are times in my messages when I have to stop or I slow down. I pause because I know a word is coming with a combination of of letters, and I have to stop and think about what I'm going to say in order to say it clearly or the best that I can, okay? But I was in this class, and it was a a speech class, and I was learning to, to speak more clearly. And there was this guy in the class. He sat next to me. His name was Joe, okay? And uh, over the course of time, it, it, for me, you know, I would just go there like an hour. And I'd go back to the regular class. And so Joe was in this class. And so Joe and I struck up a friendship. We began to, to see each other around school. We'd play on the playground. We, we'd eat lunch together. And uh, one day he said, hey, um, how would you like to go with me after school and play baseball? I said, sounds great. Let me ask my mom. And, and so I asked my mom, and, and I got information about what it was all about, and, and she said yes. And so after school one day, uh, I waited outside the school on the corner, and a little yellow bus, one of those little small ones, came up. And it picked us up and it drove us to this campus in the southern part of the town where I lived that had a few buildings and a bunch of baseball and football fields. And on the side of the bus it said, uh, Boys Christian League. Okay? And what it was was a, a nonprofit ministry that was based around after school sports. And they had buses that would go around and they'd pick up children from the community, they'd drive them to this location, and there you would engage in, in sports. So Joe invited me to go, and it was baseball season. It was the spring, and I went. But before we played baseball that day, there was a man, his name was Mr. Francis. And Mr. Francis was the coach of our team called Baltic. We were named after oceans and bodies of water. Our, our colors were orange and black. Okay, Baltic. Don't forget it. Mr. Francis sat us down on the baseball diamond around the pitcher's mound. And he stood on the pitcher's mound like it was a platform. Uh, it was his outdoor pulpit. And he pulled out something I could never, ever remember seeing before. It was a Bible. And he opened it up and he turned uh, to a book in the Bible called Judges. In fact, if you have your Bibles, turn to that right now. It's the passage, uh, passages that David read today out of uh, Judges, but I'm going to do a survey quickly of a couple of chapters, beginning in chapter 6, which is the story of Gideon. And I'll never forget Mr. Francis he would read, but it was more like he was telling the story. I don't think he read word for word, 
Um, but he read out of the Bible, but I just remember it was vivid, and the story of Gideon came alive. In fact, I'll never forget, you know, the story about the fleece, and then later on, the, the story of God uh, eliminating men from Gideon's army, and, and how the, the men ultimately that God selected were, were men that didn't get down on their hands and knees and just drank water. They, they were those who were kind of alert and they cupped their hands and they drank water and they lapped water like a dog. And you know what? It's so funny. To this day, whenever I, I hear my dog drinking water, <laughs> you know what I think of? The story of Gideon. Now, you have to understand this. That's why I do the mystery box. Because I'm hopeful that when we do the mystery box and I I make an association between an object and a spiritual truth or a scripture for a child, that someday, somewhere, decades later, they're going to see an object that reminds them of a biblical truth and it will go all the way back to a time that they were a child and Pastor Todd was helping them to see that there's spiritual application all around us if we just look. Mr. Francis taught me that. Isn't that amazing? So whenever I hear a dog drink water, I think of the story of Gideon. And so he told the story. And... uh, I remember what impressed me in my childlike way (laughs) was this man, Gideon, whom God had called as a youth and in the face of unbelievable odds led the army of Israel against a much superior force, the, the, the armies. Uh, of the people of the east in Midian and routed them without ever drawing their swords. It's like Mr. Francis saying, now we're going to play baseball and you're going to win without ever using your bat. Right? I mean, it was unbelievable. And uh, that so impressed me. So, I thought today, as we begin uh, our new series, Down But Not Out, The Art of the Comeback, that I wanted to begin this series today where I began uh, back in um, the spring of 1966 uh, when I, for the first time, saw a Bible opened up and heard somebody who loved children invest their life in me. If you don't think vacation Bible school is important, guess again. If you don't think investing in our youth is important, guess again. 
If you don't think Awanas, which is coming up this fall, here at Community Covenant, a community Bible event weekly for children is important, guess again. We have the privilege of investing in those whom God is going to raise up to make a difference in the world for Jesus Christ. Okay? Amen from Chris. Royal Family Kids Camp. By the way, I was being raised in a single parent home at that time. And I desperately needed good male role models. Men, men, if you don't think your investment in the life of a boy at the Boys and Girls Club or a boy in our children's ministry and our youth ministry, if you don't think it makes a difference, guess again. God wants to reach our children, boys and girls, but he wants to reach them through you and through me. And so the story of Gideon, he, Mr. Francis, told that story. And man, I began to have a fascination with Scripture. So much so that even though my, my mother um, didn't go to church at that time um, because of some issues in her personal life, the church had, had said, you're not welcome. And of course, when she wasn't welcome, then I didn't have access, at least with her. But I was so impressed that I started going to church on my own after school. I, I, in fact, I, the only church that was nearby was a Catholic church. I just dropped by the Catholic church. And I'd just walk in and sit down and, and I would just listen and, and, and just feel God's presence. Okay? I mean, life-changing. So, the story of Gideon. I want to share with you how that prepared me for life. You see, I, I had no idea uh, as a second grader how in my life I was going to have to overcome deficits. How I was going to have to make comebacks over and over and over again. And, and it's just so interesting how God is so good God in His grace, in His providence, in an early age, when I didn't even think I had a deficit, <laughs> took the little kid that couldn't speak well to a speech class with kids that couldn't hear well and taught him to speak well so he could go to a sports league and hear scripture and become fascinated with the word of God and the truths of God and, and, and wanting to know God more. And that someday, 51 years later, I'm standing speaking the word of God to you. Man, only God does that kind of thing. Okay? I mean, really. So, <laughs> um, overcoming deficit. So I had a lot of them. Uh, physical, 
family deficits, all kinds of deficits, economic, social deficits, stuff, just stuff. Happens in life to all of us. Um, But the, the story of Gideon captured my heart and prepared me, and it taught me that God is more than able. Now, I just open your Bibles up and, and look here in Gideon, uh, or in uh, Judges chapter 6. It starts the story of Gideon. Now, you know that the book of Judges takes place historically in a period of time between Joshua's conquest of the land, God taking the children of Israel into the promised land. From that point, it picks it up there to the point of um, Israel's first monarchy, the selection of the king. Saul, right? So you have this period of time of judges, and the word judges can actually also mean deliverers. And, and these were men, and we see Deborah, woman, right? That God raised up to positions of leadership in Israel to deliver Israel from their enemies. Now let me show you, you have to understand the book of Judges through cycles. The cycles are this. Israel would be obedient to God. They would follow God's Word. They would listen to God's Word. And they would prosper as a result. But then they would drift away. And they'd fall into sin and disobedience. And then as a result of the sin and the disobedience, what would happen would be God, in His love, would chastise them or discipline them And the way he would do it would be by giving them over to their own disobedience and sin in the form of letting them have the consequences of that disobedience. And the consequences were met out by these foreign nations or groups of people who would come and oppress them. And then they'd say, oh God, they'd cry out, help, what's going on here? God said, listen, I told you what you're supposed to do. I gave you my word. Just be obedient. You're going to prosper. Oh, God, we're going to be obedient. We want to prosper. And so for a while, there was behavior modification. And they'd be obedient and they'd prosper. But then guess what they did? You know, because you and I do the same thing sometimes, don't we? We fall right back into our old ways. But God in His love and mercy brings people and circumstances and situations into our life because He disciplines those whom He loves. And we know from um, the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, it says, All discipline is unpleasant for the moment, but for those who bear up under it, it produces the fruits of righteousness. Right? This is the pattern that's going on all through the book of Judges. Got it? Gideon's a judge. And it starts out in Judges 6. It says, The Israelites, 6-1, did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years He gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Okay? Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. They were literally living in holes dug in the side of mountains and hills. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, 
the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. Now catch this. This is important. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. And the truth is, sometimes you and I have to get to that impoverished state. (laughs) They were willing to cry, uncle, and cry out to the Lord for help. Some of you today are here and the Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart saying, you need to cry out to me for help. That's why the cross in the prayer corner is here in the worship center. That's why you can go back and see Ken and Debbie anytime during or after the service today to go back and to be prayed for and prayed with. Right? Because God hears our cries. That's why there's a prayer wall that you can put prayers up on as you enter the worship area. Because God hears the cries of His people. And when we've fallen out of fellowship, He wants to restore us. Right? He want to punish us. He wants to restore us. Go to the cross today if you need to. Get some prayer. Cry out to the Lord. Verse 7, when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent a prophet. And basically, the prophet said to them, verse 10, I said to you, I am the Lord, speaking on behalf of the Lord, your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. Right? You have not listened to me. There are a lot of things that, a lot of noise around us in culture and society and relationships. A lot of people telling us to do a lot of things. There's a lot of things that influence us, our thinking, our actions, our priorities. But you know what the Lord says? The Lord says, listen to me. And when I go astray or I fall away or uh, I get into trouble sometimes, If I'm honest, it's because I've chosen not to listen to the Lord. And the Lord says, listen to me. Father knows best. Right? Well, verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak. There was a a young man there. He was the son of Joash. His name was Gideon. And it says here in verse 11, Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Okay, now listen to this. He is threshing wheat in a wine press. That's your first clue that something's not right. Because you normally don't thresh wheat in a wine press because the wine press under the tree would have been kind of subterranean. So it would have been kind of down into the ground 
so that the Midianites and the enemies from the east couldn't have seen it because he has just a little bit of wheat because remember they've ravished the countryside and, and he is trying to sift the wheat in a wine press. Well, if you know about sifting wheat, wheat was sifted above ground where the wind could blow the chaff away. So what do we learn here as we start the story of Gideon? We learn that the situation that Gideon was living in, the situation for the people of Israel, the children of Israel, was less than ideal. It was a less than ideal circumstance. Okay? The circumstances are less than ideal. Now, catch this. Verse 12, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, by the way, this is like a theophany, which means an appearance of God in the form of an angel. Sometimes angels appear in the Scripture. God sends them as messengers. But in this case, as you read on, and I encourage you to read chapters 6 through 8, the story of Gideon, we find out it's God Himself comes. And I'm telling you, when we need Him most, God shows up. Do you know that? When a people need Him most, God shows up. Do you know that? The question is, will the people listen to God when He shows up? And so here He is. Pardon me, excuse me, I want you to check this out. When an angel of the Lord, chapter 12, appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now listen. Can you imagine? Here's Gideon sifting wheat in a wine press, hiding from the Midianites. The people are living in caves. He's the youngest in his family from a clan that is the least among Manasseh. He's the least of the least, in other words. And the Lord call, comes to him and says, Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. It's like, huh? What are you, you, you talking to me? Right? Pardon me, the Lord said, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all His wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us in the hands of Midian. Now, the whole, the whole section in chapter 6 begins with the Lord through the prophet saying, This is why what is happening is happening. And it's not because I've abandoned you. It's because, on the contrary, I love you so much that I'm not going to allow you to live the way you've been living, in disobedience, in idolatry. Turn back to me. Well, obviously Gideon didn't hear that. Because otherwise he would have asked this question. Or he heard it, but like some of us, when the Lord is involved in our life and trying to correct our path and redirect us, when we've been disobedient or we fail to listen to His Word, we're not living as He has called us to, some of us just don't want to hear it. And it reflects the condition of the heart. And that might be what's going on here with Gideon. Okay? But the Lord, 
verse 14, turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? Now catch this. Verse 15. Pardon me, my Lord. Right? Gideon replied, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. All right. This is really important. Put a mark there in your Bible. Number one, we see that the circumstances are less than ideal. Okay? Number two, we see Gideon, who's approached by God, who says, Gideon, mighty warrior, you are going to deliver Israel from the hands of the oppressors, the Midianites, the peoples from the east. And you know what he says? Pardon me, Lord, but do you know who I am? But here's the point. When God calls us to a God-sized task, it's not about who we are. It's about who God is. Do you see that? It's who God is. And he says, I'm the least of these. Who am I? You've got the wrong man. So Gideon is living in less than ideal circumstances, and he sees himself as less than everyone else. Well, as you turn the page in my Bible, and you look down in chapter 6, verse 36, Gideon wants assurance. Because this young man, Gideon, who is in less than ideal circumstances and sees himself as less than everybody else, has less than confident faith. And in verse 36, man, this is where Mr. Francis started. He goes to the Lord and wants assurance. Don't you want assurance? I'm telling you, the Word of God is assurance. Draw assurance from the Word of God. God speaks through His Word. But Gideon asked for what's now known as a fleece. A fleece of wool. He said, God, I'm going to put this out. And if, and if this is really you, and if we can really do this, then here's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see the fleece with water on it and the, the ground around it dry in the morning time. Gideon walks up, he grabs the fleece, and it says that he squeezed out over a cup of water in it. Okay? Pretty good, huh? God delivered, didn't he? But wait a minute, Lord. I, I mean, pardon me. I know you're God, but could you do one more thing? This time, I'm going to put the fleece out, and rather than the dew or the water being in the fleece, could you make the ground around it wet? Then I'll really know. And God says, okay. And God does that. Well, it says the next day, Gideon gets up 
And he blows a trumpet and he calls all the men to him to form his army. There's, there's 32,000 of them. Now listen, here is the man who's in less than ideal circumstances. He sees himself as less than everybody else. And he has less than confident faith. And what does God do? God says, oh, by the way, the 32,000 men you have, Gideon, uh, that's too many. You let them know if any of them are afraid or trembling, remember the number of the, the army of Midian. There were so many you couldn't count them. They're like locusts. By the way, they had these cool war camels that had endurance. And I mean, they would sweep through the valleys and the plains in these camels, and they would decimate their enemies. Thank you, Mr. Francis. I remember being a kid, the war camels. Kind of like Star Wars, right? All right, I'm going to wrap this up. I'm just having a good time telling the story. 22,000 men leave. Now there's 10,000 men. Then he says, Gideon, you still have too many. This is what I want you to do. I want you to send them to the water. I'm going to select. Notice, God selects. God knows what Gideon needs. God knows the resources that Gideon needs. God knows who is going to be obedient and follow Gideon's leadership and what God had told him to do. And so God selects, and in the end, he starts with 32,000, he ends up with 300. Okay? He ends up with 300. As you go on, and this is the verse that, that David read, beginning in uh, 716, we read the story of how Gideon instructed his men to put the trumpets and the lights in the jars of clay. Remember, we have this treasure in jars of clay, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Okay, very similar here. They surround the peoples, the armies of Midian, and at the right time, they break the jars, the lights appear, and they blow their trumpets, and the people of Midian are in a panic. And the reason why is, normally... 300 trumpets would be representative of 300 legions. Now, in Roman times, later on, a legion was 5,000 men. If you do 5,000 times 300, 300 trumpets, 300 lights, and the lights would lead each legion, that's a million five hundred thousand men. That's why the Midianites panicked and started in their panic killing each other. Okay? And of course, there was a great victory. Here's the point. The Israelites and Gideon were in less than ideal circumstances. Gideon saw himself as less than everyone else. His faith was less than confident. And his resources were less than what everybody thought they needed. But you need to understand something. The God of Gideon, your God and my God, isn't a less than God. He's a more than God. 
He is exceedingly, abundantly, more than able, right? To deliver, to do, to give you what it is you need to accomplish the purpose for which He created you and His will in your life. But here's what we have to do as we leave here this morning. And this is why the story of Gideon is so important in my life. Because when I've been down and out, there are times when everything around me, including my own understanding or thinking of myself, I see everything as less than. But the art of the comeback, one of the important keys for you and I as followers of Jesus Christ, it's in times when everything seems like it's less than to understand that God is more than. God is more than able. So worship team comes up. I want to close. And you go ahead and we have some songs to play and we have some things to do. It's summertime. Don't cut it short. If you have to leave, go ahead. It's okay. I understand. Uh, But this is an important time for us. As they prepare, I want to close. Joe, who invited me to Boys Christian League in the spring of 1966, invited me to go to camp that summer. It was a Christian camp in a campsite in the hills of Southern California around a place called Mount Baton Powell. But in order to go to camp, you had to have a Bible. Remember I told you I had a fascination with the Bible? My mom gave me this Bible so I could go to camp. She didn't have the money to send me. $25 for that week was too much. A friend of the family, a man who knew I needed to go to camp, gave her $25 so I could go to camp. By the way, again, I'm making all kinds of connections here. When kids are raising money for Chick next summer, be generous. My mom bought me this Bible, King James, red letter edition, and inside of it, it says, this is her handwriting, You've got to read it, Lori. This Holy Bible is presented to Todd McCarroll by Mother on the occasion of his eighth birthday, July 21st, 1966. Okay. I went to camp. And I'll never forget a song I learned. And I'm going to close with it today. I don't sing, but I'm going to sing today. All right? Because we serve a more than God. He's more than able. It goes something like this. It's a good thing to be a Christian. It's the best thing I know. It's a good thing to be a Christian. It's the only way to go. So long, sin and sorrow. Goodbye, doubt and fear. It's a darn good thing to be a Christian. 
And that's why I'm here. How about you?